right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. Got to see some of them get baptized. That was incredible watching them. We welcome you if you're a guest here. If you're watching by live stream, I'm glad you're here too. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high and our ushers to get the Word of God here in your hand, once you get a Bible, go with me to Matthew 11. Matthew chapter 11. Now, we've been going on prayer and fasting this month, and so we're kind of transitioning into parts that the Lord talked about would happen that when we prayed and fast. And so what happens sometimes is, even as Christians, we have this thought that I got born again, and that'll be once upon a time, and we live happily ever after. But sometimes it's just the opposite. It's once upon a time, and then all hell broke loose. And so may, that may define your life right now. And a couple verses I just want to quote real quick to kind of set the table here. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.37, he said, Yea, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so there's things that come upon each one of us, but it's interesting, he says, that we're more than conquerors. So it tells me right there, there's some things in my life that the Lord's gonna have to help me to conquer. And then in Revelations 12, 11, the Lord Jesus himself said, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. And so just the word overcome, that tells me that in each one of our lives, Life's just not a bed of roses, that there's things I'm going to have to overcome. And so we're going to see some of those this morning. Start with me here in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, what an invitation, but I've got to come to him. All who, are, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, they're tired, worn out. And that may describe you right now. And when he talks about the word burdens, the word burden actually means a load. You're loaded down. And that could be physically, that could be emotionally, that could even be spiritually. Just the things in this life that tried to weigh us down. But look how he ends verse 28 and he says, but I will give you rest. The way he gives us rest is first of all, I gotta come to him. And then I gotta admit to him, I'm burdened, I'm overloaded. I got too much on my plate right now. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I am lonely. Now that first part there, he says, take, take my yoke and learn from me and I am gentle. If you'll notice everything in that verse points to Jesus. Every bit of it funnels right to the Lord Jesus and that's how it happens. We get born again because of the Lord Jesus and the way I live is through the Lord Jesus. Now, when he talks about this yoke here, one version described the yoke as his rhythm of grace. Now, I don't know about you, I, I want to get in God's rhythms of grace. I, I need God's grace in my life, and I believe you do too. And so he goes on and ends this verse, and he says, and you will find rest for your souls. The second time he's promised rest again, verse 30. For my yoke is easy, it's pleasant, it's good, it's comfortable, it's suitable, it's serviceable, and, and my burden is light. And so when you talk about what he's talking about, his, his yoke, a lot of times it's like a yoke of oxen that teams up together. We get the honor of teaming, teaming up with the Lord. And anytime I team up with the Lord, things are gonna happen for my good. And so right now in your life, 
You seem like you're in a dead end. Maybe a roadblock. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're, you're stuck. And sometimes the greatest obstacles in our life are, are unhealed or unresolved issues of our past. We never get healed. And the Lord Jesus didn't come for us to cope with it and he didn't come for us to tolerate it. And sometimes we get stuck in these things and we have the thought, well, this is how it's always been and this is how it's always gonna be. But I don't believe that with the Lord. I believe God wants to change some things in every one of our lives. Now, it just doesn't happen easy. There's things we gotta do. Go with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, and, and if you're a note taker, you might as well get ready. I'm, I'm gonna spit out a bunch of scripture today. And I want the word of God to speak to you. And so, you know, as you're turning to Luke 16, you may have some harmful thoughts in your life that they're just hard to shake or maybe unhealthy habits that are just hard to break. There's just things that it seems like I, I just can't seem to get victory over. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. So just open up your heart to these scriptures here and watch, watch what the Bible teaches today. Luke 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Now, this is a Bible principle right here. If you're honest in the small things, you'll be honest in the big things. But notice how he ends in verse 10. But he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Or if you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. Now, it's interesting here because Jesus spoke of a kingdom principle right here. And I believe part of this, that my faithfulness to the Lord is always a prerequisite to promotion. I, I want to be promoted, but if I'm not faithful in the small things, I'll never get faithful to the large things. And to a degree, I believe what he's talking about here is Galatians 6, 7. What you sow, you'll reap. And so this, this isn't a, a principle I came up with. This is what God's word says. So I just want you to think about it just for a second here. If I would lie to my spouse, then I'd probably lie to my boss. And if I cheat on my spouse, I'd probably cheat at work. And, and so what you begin to see right here is God is wanting to deal with us with a character, a, a, a character illustration with each one of us. And when I use the word character, the definition of character in the Bible is moral excellency. Do you know character to God's a big deal? Character talks about my integrity. Character talks about my honesty. And character talks about what I do when no one's looking except God. And so character becomes a foundational principle. And when we break the foundation, it's not good. Actually, it becomes really, really bad. So even part of this is God's wanting to put some spiritual character in every one of us. And what that means, he's saying, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up as children of the Most High and become mature in this. Now, turn back with me into the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, and through this series this month on, on prayer and fasting, and I know many of you have prayed and fasted this month. I don't know if any of you are still going. Maybe there are some of you. I personally believe in the history of the church, this was the most participation we've ever had in this. 
So we go back and we look at Isaiah 58. And it talks about the fast that God desires. And if you looked at verses like 1 through 7, you would find out God really wants us to get our heart right. That's what every bit of that was right. You know, I, I, I can go through the motions. I can do things outwardly, but my heart's not in it. And so he dealt with those things. But when we fast for the right purpose and reason, he said in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, there's some incredible promises. I mean incredible promises of breakthrough. And we sang today. Anybody in here needing a breakthrough? And I'm needing breakthroughs. And so this is a lot of what this is talking about. But I want to highlight on one of the verses that we really dug into. Isaiah 58 verse 12. Those from among you shall build the old ways places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Now it's an interesting statement. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations. Something happens in this time of prayer and fasting that, that not only changes me, but it changes many generations. Now, there's an opposite to what he talks about. If I'm not raising up a foundation of many generations, then I'm going to be tearing them down. Now, in these upcoming weeks, I'm going to dig in more and more. You got to come back each week. Because we're going to begin to talk about what's called a generational curse or a generational blessing. These things are real. But when we see this right here, you'll raise up the foundations of many generations. If you're a note taker, write down Isaiah 61 verse 4. Because it says you will raise up the desolations of many generations. That word desolation actually means the destruction of many generations. Now, let me ask you something here. Do any of you in here feel like there's some destruction to your family bloodline, your generations? I personally believe every one of us have destruction within our family bloodlines that God wants to raise up. Now, look to the next chapter, Isaiah 59, verse number 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. God's hand has not been amputated, okay? He can still save. So you get a heart from God immediately here. God still has a desire to save not only you, but remember, you're the restorer of many generations. Now, how many of you in here got family that needs to be born again? Every one of us. So again, we begin to get God's heartbeat right here. So his desire is that we become born again. Keep reading in verse 1. Nor his ear is too heavy that he cannot hear. God's ears don't have wax in them, okay? His ear's not all plugged up. So right here, he gives us the invitation to pray. He welcomes our prayers. So when we read verse 1, it becomes very clear. God's not the problem. So if God's not the problem, who's the problem? Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, 
and your sins have hidden his faith from you so that he will not hear. So again, the problem's not God, the problem's us. God's not wrong, we're wrong. And if you'll notice two words in verse two that we must highlight, the first one is the word iniquity. Iniquity means prolonged, long, long standing, embedded things pertaining to sin. The word sin itself means to get off track, to deviate from God's course or God's plan for our life. Now here's a nugget you gotta get, okay? When it talks about iniquity, iniquity is the motivation of my heart. Sins are the motivations or the movement of my hand. In other words, iniquity is something on the inside. Sin is something that manifests on the outside. Now, if you study generational curses, it will say this. The iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generations. So what happens is we're not necessarily handing them a sin. We're passing down something that's embedded in our heart. Whoa. Something that's embedded in my heart. And I believe this is what begins to happen with our bloodlines, that every one of us in here have something that's handed down spiritually from a heart. Now, I want you to think about this just for a second. We understand the DNA of our physical makeup. Many times people will say, you look like your mom or your dad. But it's interesting that if you go to a doctor, a lot of times the first thing a doctor says to you is, tell me your family's history. Why? Because we understand genetically there's stuff that's handed down from our, our, our family bloodline. But a lot of times we don't pick that up spiritually. So have any of you, of you ever seen in your family bloodline something that looks like it started repeating and repeating and repeating in the areas of possibly sin or strongholds? Wow. I, I didn't ask for permission, but I'm going to do it right now. Warren, can I have permission? Raise your hand, Warren, so they know I'm telling the truth. This is Warren and Stacy Havens. Warren shared years ago that his family was brought up and in his family bloodline, it was six, wasn't it? Divorce was taking place six times within his parents, six times. That's a generational iniquity, okay? Now, I'm not saying that to throw stones because I, I, got, I got generational iniquities in my bloodline. But Warren and Stacy, when they got married, they realized there's something that was handed down to us spiritually in our genetics called divorce. And he said, not no more. We're, we're going we're gonna to stop that biblically. And that's part of the process here. We're going to go week by week and we can show you. And so how many years you guys been married? 36 years. Do you know that just didn't happen? They didn't get together and say, hey, let's knock on wood. Let's run around the backyard with a rabbit's foot. That stuff just doesn't happen. 
And so this is part of the process here where we begin to show you biblically what we can do in these areas. Now, look with me in verses three and four because it's a catalog for sin. Look what he says. For your hands are defiled with blood, murder, other forms of, of abuse here with blood. Your fingers with iniquity. Listen to this one. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls or speaks for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and they bring forth iniquity. Now again, we're talking about a God who said, my desire is I raise up ones who will rebuild the foundations of many generations. So off of that statement, we're either building up or we're tearing down. We're handing things off. And so these patterns of sin and patterns of iniquities, they begin to get handed down. And you'll see them three and four generations. Listen to this. Let me, let me share with this just real briefly here, and I'll be getting it the next few weeks. When, when I, I was a little guy, I, I have vague memories of a grandfather. But the older I started getting, I had people say to me, you look like your grandfather. And so at the age of 12 was the first time I had alcohol in my body. I never realized or thought what that one drink would ultimately lead to. The older I got, they would not only say, you look like your grandfather, you act like your grandfather. And I began to understand what that means in about three major areas that I began to look at. I believe personally there was a, a iniquity that the embedded stuff within his heart was handed down to me. That stuff begins to happen. But I can tell you something, we serve a God who's still in the business of not only setting the captives free, but we serve a God who says, I want to help you raise up the foundations of many generations. Now, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 8, not John chapter 8, John chapter 8. And I just want to let the scriptures just, just soak in here. Let, let the word of God teach us. Now here in John 8, I'm going to start in verse 34. And when you get there, it's red letter words. This is the Lord Jesus talking to us. John 8, 34. And Jesus answered to him and said, Most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Whoever commits or practices sin... So you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. When I obey sin, sin becomes my master and sin is a rugged taskmaster. The apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 15, he said, I've sold myself as a slave to sin. And then in the very next verse, he said, the things that I don't want to do that's what I do, and the things I don't want to do, that's what I don't do. Now, have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there. 
where I said, I, I want to quit doing this, but I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I need to do. And part of that, I believe, is many times we have the thought, willpower. I'm just going to grit it out. I'm going to tough it out. You know what happens in the area of sin? You keep sinning. That comes back to the rhythms of grace. You can't whip it without God's help. I'm going to tell you that right now. Jump with me to verse 36, and I want you to see what Jesus' words here. He said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So in that statement right there, the Lord Jesus said, my desire is to set you free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. So it's like Jesus is saying, come on, come on, hook up with me and watch what I'll do. I'll help you. I'll, I'll teach you how to get set free. I'll, I'll walk this out with you. And so you get Jesus' heart right here. And when he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. We become sons of God or daughters of God by salvation. When you give your heart to Jesus, you become a son and daughter of God. And so what that literally means is you become uh, the, the run of the house. You, you become in a place of, man, I'll take care of you because he's my father. And so in this area right here, who the son sets free, he'll be free indeed. So let me ask you something. Is there areas of your life you need to be set free? That's not a bad thing to admit. That's a good thing to admit. So I go back to my life and I realize I needed to get set free. I, I, I needed help against this thing called alcohol. It was wearing me out. And, and not only was the alcohol wearing me out, the things that are associated and affiliated with alcohol, they wear you out. And so just the thought here, anybody in here want to be set free? It, it, it could be from alcohol. It could be from lying, stealing. I mean, that's why I read Isaiah 59, the catalog of sin. None of us are exempt. And let me tell you something about sin. Sin carries long-term consequences. Romans 8, uh, 6.23 says the wages of sin, the compensation and the recompense of sin is death. Now, we're talking about building up the foundations of many generations. So the things in your life that you do not get victory over, they will be passed down to your children. Has anybody ever seen that pattern in your bloodline? I've asked already, we're seeing hands go up. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I believe personally, you're not going to raise up the foundations of many generations if you don't deal with you first. I got to deal with me in a biblical way. Turn with me to Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28. I don't know a verse that can be more clear to us. Proverbs 28 verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Conceals, whitewashes, sweeps them under the rug. So if I go day by day, day by day, by day by day, and I keep concealing my sin, he said, you're not going to prosper. And, and he's talking about in every area, you're not going to prosper. 
And so when he says, he who conceals his sin, what I found out about this thing called repentance, it's not a one-time deal. It's day by day. So look how he ends verse 13. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I must confess it, and then I must ask God to grace it that I forsake it. Then mercy comes. Now, just think here for a minute. You're going to have to have a PhD in repentance. And I say this quite often. The greatest daily vitamin you can take is repentance. And when I say that, I'm talking about heartfelt sincerity that goes before God and says, I blew it. I blew it. I, I sinned again and again and again and again and again. And I stand before God and I take full responsibility and I take full ownership of my choices. And to do that, it just takes the robe of humility. You come before God and say, Father God, I blew it again. And I blew it again. Now, before I got born again, I was a great sinner. And as a great sinner, you know what great sinners do? They sin. It didn't bother me to sin. That's all I knew to do. But when I gave my heart to Jesus and I sinned, it still started bothering me. It started moving on the inside of me. See, just because you get born again doesn't mean you're exempt from sin. Here's a question. How many of you since you got born again have sinned? If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to pray for liars, okay? You just sinned. You lied. So let me walk you through something here. Just something real simple biblically. The Lord said in 1 John 1, 9, if, if you'll confess your sin before me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and I'll cleanse you. But it all hinges on that word, if. If. So he gives us a choice right there. So this is what confessing your sin would look like. And this is something. I don't know how many times a day I do this. But I say, Father God, I'm a sinner. I repent. I've sinned. I've sinned. Father God, I repent of my transgression. And the word transgression means trespass. The word trespass means you went somewhere where you weren't supposed to. And I can say to Father God, I trespassed. And Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my iniquities, the prolonged sin that's been in my life, but also that stuff that's embedded in my heart. And then we can go another step just a little deeper in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it says that all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So I go before God and I say, Father God, I repent of the lust of my eyes. Anybody in here have a problem with the lust of your eye? Probably every one of us. Father God, I repent right now for the lust of my flesh. I repent right now, Father God, for the pride of my life. And I ask you to forgive me and I come before you and I thank you that you said you would also cleanse me. And I ask you right now to cleanse my thoughts, to cleanse my eyes, to cleanse my tongue, cleanse, cleanse my ears. Give me clean hands and a pure heart, Father God.
Now, I just didn't give you a formula, okay? That's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the Bible right there. But something has to happen from my heart that says, Father God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live this way anymore. Do you know where the word repentance means a change of thought or a change of my mind? And so when I repent, he's telling us, let's reverse the course of my life. I don't like going in this direction. I want to go in a different direction. See, and it's interesting when people look at me and say, what type of preacher are you? You got all these sin problems. Well, let me tell you the truth. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. When it, when it comes to repentance, I'm going to get real humble real quick before God. And so I believe God's wanting us to become transparent. I believe God's saying, okay. And so again, you want to rebuild the foundations of many generations? It's hard for you to do that when you're not right. And I'm not preaching perfect. The only one that was perfect was Jesus and he was crucified for it. But something happens when I begin to take ownership. I said, Father God, here I am. So what would happen here this Sunday morning? If we just got real with God. You say, ah, Pastor Aunt Susie's here. Well, I'd rather be right with God than Aunt Susie. And the truth of the matter is Aunt Susie's just as big a sinner as you are. Because we're all sinners, every one of us. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But I highlight this today because we're playing with stuff that's not just about you. That there are, are foundations of future generations. Man, they're, they're hanging right on some of this right now. And so I'll either be a generational history maker or I'll be a generational history breaker, one of the two. And I believe so much of this happens by how I respond to God. So stand up here with me. If you're a guest, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for what we preached. I heard a man of God named David Wilkerson in 2008, and he said this in a prophecy. He said, you'll see the collapse of the church when the church quits preaching about sin. I believe that's true. But it's not just about our sin. Again, I want you to have this thought. God's wanting to do stuff in our bloodline. It starts right here. I want you to bow your head with me. Father God, we come before you today. An all-knowing God. A God that knows every one of our choices, our actions, our behaviors, our attitude. A God that even knows our thoughts. So, Father God, you said to us, if, if we'd confess our sin, your desire is to forgive us and cleanse us. So our team's getting ready to sing. What would happen this morning if I just 
put on a robe of humility. He said, Father God, I'm, I'm coming to open the filing cabinet to my heart to you today. And I'm going to be a man or woman of God that says, I'm going to repent today. I'm, I'm going to take full responsibility for things I've done. Remember, that's the only way I'm forgiven and that's the only way to be cleansed. And the reason I'm standing on this this morning is this is the starting point for what he's wanting to do with the, the building up of the foundations of many generations. So as our team sings here, leads us into this song. I open these altars up. I welcome you who are watching by live stream. It's not a fire drill, but I, 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 I encourage you just to drop to your knees right now. And just get before God and say, Father God, this is what I am right now. Go ahead, God.